Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 12. It's so good to have you here today. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, I would highly encourage you to go do that. When you're subscribed, new episodes automatically show up in your podcast player every Tuesday, and they're ready for you when you have time to listen, in the car, on a walk, while you're doing dishes or yard work, or maybe while you're working out. We have some fantastic upcoming guests and topics that I think you're really going to like, and I don't want you to miss a single episode. Also, just another reminder that if we're making a positive impact in your life, we would love to have you support the show. You can become a listener supporter on Anchor for as little as 99 cents a month, or you can support at the $4.99 or $9.99 levels. And for the $9.99 level, we still have a few Good Question coffee mugs, which we would be happy to send you as a thank you gift if you sign up at that highest level. But if you can't afford to support us financially, we also really appreciate your likes, comments, and shares on social media, and your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Those are all ways of supporting the show that really make us smile and mean a lot. So thank you for all that you do. This week's episode was a lot of fun to record. I was thrilled to get the chance to chat with JC Pulford, an apostolic artist, author, and podcaster from Connecticut. JC's show, The Hello Awesome Podcast, was the first apostolic podcast I ever encountered, and I have been blessed by many of her great interviews and devotionals. This week, she releases her 100th episode of Hello Awesome. So she's been at this online ministry thing for quite a while. We talk all about how she got here from being a Catholic turned atheist before a truly powerful encounter with God led her to a totally new life in Christ. JC has some really fantastic insight into how the church reacts to new believers and how we can use our online influence for the kingdom. We wrap up with chatting about her upcoming book, Living in the Lion's Den, which I can't wait to read. I know you're going to love this one, so let's get right to it. Here's my chat with J.C. Pulford. J.C. Pulford, welcome to Good Question. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. You're somebody that I have been aware of and have listened to your podcast off and on for several years now, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I've seen you kind of blazing a trail for apostolic women in podcasting. And I think you were the first apostolic person that I ever was aware of who had a podcast. And as somebody who loves podcasts, Mm -hmm. I found that very, very intriguing. And so thank you for the work that you do and for all the years of effort that you've put in already. And I'm excited to see what God does with your platform as well. I would love to have you just introduce yourself a little for our listeners. Tell us who you are and where you're from and about your family. Sure. Well, thank you so much. That was very sweet to say. Definitely has been a journey. I'm J.C. Lee Pulford. I am from Connecticut, so the Northeast. 
It is very temperamental weather-wise. It'll be (laughs) raining one day, snowing, and then it'll be sunshine in 50s, 60s (laughs) in the same day. I have been married to Johnson Pulford for 11 years. We have two boys, eight and five. I homeschool, and I'm also a self-published author, podcaster, artist, all the things, Mm -hmm. uh, running the online ministry, Hello Awesome. I attend the Avisot Church of Enfield here in the Connecticut District, and I just really love how God has allowed me to use my gifts for His kingdom and to just bring a little bit of joy to the world. That's always fun when we can use the gifts that we have and bring joy. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. So you have shared a lot on your own social media and your own podcast about your testimony, about how you became a Christian, how you found the apostolic way. And so I just, I'd love to have you share that here and tell us a, a little bit about how you came to know the Lord. This question always gets me because there's so many layers to the story, but I'm going to share just the basic outline. <laughs> I am Hispanic, so we grew up Catholic. Uh, I grew up believing that Jesus and God were separate, and it always confused me as a child who to pray to. Mm. I was always confused. Do I pray to the Son? Do I pray to the Father? It really, I loved prayer. My my mother is a prayer warrior, and she taught me really to embrace God and the things of God. I just didn't know how to do that. Mm. I wasn't given proper tools because they weren't available to me at the time. And I just remember growing up just very confused about all of this, and of course, throw in hormones, throw in boys, all of that, then I'm definitely confused on what to do. (laughs) And I remember I was actually engaged for about three years to my high school sweetheart, and we were really good friends. He's a very nice guy, but he was an atheist, and I was going through some times when I thought I was also an atheist because I figured if I don't have the answers, then maybe there aren't any. Mm. And at the time, my father had a family friend who is a Christian and wanted some paintings done of religious paintings. And being a struggling artist all my life, I loved art, always have. Obviously, my work was not as wholesome as it is now, but she asked me to, she wanted to commission a series of paintings and they were going to be religious based. Mm. And I didn't really care as long as I got paid. So I told her, sure. And as I started painting these paintings, of images of baby Jesus with Mary, of just him on the cross. There's just a lot of symbolism and the throne and the crown. And there's just a lot of things that I was working on. And I remember just really having those questions come back up. And I was, we were really not in a good place um, in our relationship. We kind of knew that it was coming to an end, but we both didn't want to say anything. We were both very dependent people, but we were changing. I knew I was changing. And we wanted different things, but none of us wanted to say that to each other. Mm. We didn't want to be honest. And I remember just having that struggle in my spirit, and it created a lot of friction in my life physically and also spiritually. And when I started thinking about God again, I really started feeling demonic forces and uh, forces from another world sort of pulling at me. And I felt this in my spirit and I would have nightmares. I would have visitations of spirits and things like that um, at nighttime. And I remember one time just really getting so frustrated that I remember in my mind praying sincerely, Jesus, if you're real, I need, I need a sign right now. Mm-hmm. I need you to show me a sign right now because I, was, I had a 
I about had it. I was never suicidal or anything like that, but I just didn't know what to do. I was really at my wits end. And it was in that moment, I was literally in the same room as my fiance at the time. And God basically pulled back the curtain of the darkness. I could could just visually see it. He sent me this vision of him on the cross. Mm -hmm. And I felt his his spirit, his presence for the first time. And I knew that's what it was. There's really no denying it. And it was in that moment that I could feel peace. Like I never felt before. And I felt him with me and all of the heaviness lifted off of my chest, off of my shoulders. And I remember thinking, wherever you want me to go, Lord, I will follow you. Just show me. Hmm. I don't, I don't know what that means and I don't know how it's going to play out, but that's what I want. I just wanted Jesus. That's all I wanted was Jesus. I wanted the truth. And so I didn't really care what happened as long as I had that. So I think it was only a matter of like a month or so. I broke off the engagement. We, you know, mutually separated. I gathered up whatever I could and I moved out and the Lord opened up doors for me to really connect with a friend of mine who I met from work at the airport a young man. And we got along great. We were always friends for a few years. And I knew that he was apostolic Pentecostal, whatever that meant. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just, it was just nice to have a friend outside of my group of partiers, you know, my Mm. group of like people who didn't understand spiritual, you know, battles or didn't understand what I was going through spiritually. It was nice to talk to somebody about God, somebody different and new who had an understanding. And He brought me to his church, which is the Apostolic Church of Enfield. And I remember feeling God's presence there for the first time. And I said, this is it. This is what I felt at that time. This is what I felt when he sent me that vision. And I, being my hard, Hispanic, tough, independent woman self, I bawled like a baby Mm. that first time. And I don't think I've ever stopped. (laughs) I just kept going. And in four short months, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I started dating my friend. And two years later, we we were married. And that he's my husband today. And it was Jonathan. So God really just kind of, everything that I had dreamed of, he he made it better because now he's involved. I got the love that I was seeking through him, but also on earth. And then also he allowed me to live out my dreams uh, artistically and creatively, but giving him the glory. And it's just been an amazing and amazing journey. That's so awesome. You know, I grew up in the church, in the apostolic Pentecostal church. And so I'm always fascinated by, by stories of people who experience God and feel his presence in a way that I have been guilty of taking for granted you know, because it's Mm -hmm. just always been there in my life. You know, I've always had opportunities for that to take place and I've been familiar with it. So I just love hearing stories of people where the power of God comes to them and they can feel his presence and they can sense his spirit and they know that it's him. And it's the same thing that I've felt in church all my life. Like, I just, I love how God is no respecter of person, right? Like he doesn't right. hold himself back mm-hmm. just for the church people. Right. <laughs> he, he is out seeking for every soul that's hungry for him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's actually a really big burden of mine is, you know, 
it really does bother me just some of the culture uh, that we have in, in church culture that we're just used to, you know, uh, these expectations that we have on people. And we just have to have grace and realize that when people are coming to the Lord, we got to let God just move and not try and, um, you know, change them ourselves. And um, I think we mean well. I think we really do want the, what's best for for people coming in, but we have to let God do the work. And we have to trust that He is going to meet their needs because He always does. Yeah, for sure. So what was your experience? That, that's a very interesting point, and I, I agree with it 100%, but how did that play out in your experience? You come into the church and you feel this powerful um, move, and you said within a couple months you had received the Holy Ghost. There's, that's a lot of change in a very short period of time. Yeah. So how did that play out in very much. in the day today for you? Mm-hmm. I like this question. Thank you. Because I think it's important. I think it's easy to glorify, you know, uh, conversions. I mean, there's a lot of glory in it, but it's all God. And realize that uh, it can be challenging yeah. because we're still humans. <laughs> yeah. We're still humans. And I guess there's two aspects to it. Number one, I did not expect just the rejection from some of the peers in the church at first. Mm. I'm not saying my particular church in general. I remember the first camp meeting. I am five years older than Jonathan, so I had some world experience. And I just remember that first camp service going with him. You know, he's a young, handsome man. And if you're a young, handsome man in Pentecost, people <laughs> have been planning your wedding since you were like 14 without your knowledge, you know? Right. <laughs> and they've been married to you in their mind forever. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's true. But, you know, I remember just walking and I felt like I was walking the plank. Mm-hmm. I mean, these girls had like darts in their eyes. And looking back, I really didn't know what was going on. I was so oblivious and and just naive to the culture of of that time. And um, there were just a a few that did reach out to me and befriended me. And I cherish those relationships still. We're good friends still. But it really was just like, who is this worldly girl coming into the church and stealing this church boy, Mm -hmm. this good church boy who grew up here, you know, his whole life. And I feel like they were trying to um, make me prove myself. Uh, but all I did was just share what God did for me. That is the only proof that I had. Yeah. I, th- none of us had any business being there. Right. I, you know, and so I think that was a little bit difficult because before coming to the Lord, I always try to stray away from controversy. And here I am <laughs> when you're a Christian, that's all you kind of have to deal with. And so that was one aspect just to find my new comfort, my new group of people to support me and, you know, root for me. And then also telling my family. Yeah. That was very difficult telling them why I, you know, why my relationship didn't work out. They were concerned for my health. They really loved me. They still do. They were just wondering, okay, what's going on? Like, what, like, um, what crazy cult have you joined? (laughs) You know, that came up once, but it was really more of like, where are you? Where's your mind here? Mm. What do you want? Uh, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I think they wanted to make sure that I was making the choices for me gotcha. and not for anybody else. And if I was really for real, and it was a lot of heartfelt conversations. And I always honor my parents when I tell my testimony, you know, they were very cautious because they loved me. Yeah. And that's what parents should do. Yeah. 
and they did the best that they could raising me. And so I had to really tell them just because I chose a different lifestyle does not mean it's because you failed. Mm. It's because there was just different things missing pieces to the puzzle that none of us had that I found somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That's a really, I think that's a really wise and like you said, like an honoring way to, to look at that. I think again, like, I can relate to what you're saying about, you know, the girls in the church and the side eye that you get when you walk in and you don't, you don't look the part or, you know, because there is a lot of, sadly, a lot of judgment that can creep in and a lot of self-righteousness that can creep in. And I think for someone like me, who's, who's grown up in the church, we don't always understand or acknowledge what it really means for someone to come in and to change their whole life. And how impactful that is on your family and on your relationships. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, yes, like we want you to follow the path that God has for you. But those are real decisions that, like you said, they really can bring up things for your parents about, you know, why are you going that way? And and what could we have done differently or should we have done differently or anything like that? And we can, I think as a church, sometimes we can be dismissive of that kind of stuff. And we really shouldn't because it's you know, we're all still human and we all still, as much as we love God and as much as he gives us when we come to him, that loss is still real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I really felt the Lord really work in my heart, just the forgiveness of, you know, people in my past. You know, one of the things that my pastor really is an advocate for is he asks specific questions when people get baptized. And one of the questions is, are you willing to forgive people who have you know, done things or have harmed you in the past and in the future. Mm. And that doesn't mean that they meant to do it. Right. And I I really love that question. And, you know, I took an oath when I was baptized by answering, yes, I would Mm. forgive. And part of that is also forgiving my parents for things that they didn't even know about. Right. (laughs) And I also was thinking, you know, the Lord really moved on my heart in a powerful way that I was hoping that would happen for my family as well. And so if I came at this with a very negative, destructive mindset, it would close the door on any future possibility for their reconciliation. Right. So God was really, I mean, <laughs> he really worked in me very quickly and very fast. And I had amazing Bible teachers and mentors, my pastor being one, my mother-in-law being another, people who really just came alongside me and answered my questions and sat down with me and just had these heart-to-heart conversations about anything. And I really think that's important for the church to do is let's not just assume things all the time Mm. or be quick to come to a conclusion. Why don't we come alongside these people who are just trying to find the truth and just take it one question at a time and let God move in those conversations? Yeah, that's the heart of discipleship. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we focus on conversion and we forget to keep that focus there and guide people into the fullness of truth and and guide them as the Holy Ghost leads them, right? Not right. on our timeline, like you said, but letting the Lord work and being there as a support system when the questions come up to answer them, to offer the grace, to offer, you know, the hope and the love that people need to continue growing in the Lord once they've got past that conversion experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, it's such a beautiful story. I love it. And I thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm just, it always warms my heart to hear how God has taken people's 
lives and change them for his glory. Like he has so much for us that I think we leave on the table the gifts that he has for us. And so yeah. it's it's always so wonderful to hear about someone who who said, okay, Lord, I'll take, I'll take it. <laughs> whatever you want mm-hmm. to do for me, whatever you want to give me, I'll, I'll take it. So you're an artist. How then did God take those talents and you're using them now for his kingdom? How did all of that come about? I mean, this is another testimony <laughs> in and of itself, because I was, I think, eight years old when I knew I wanted to be an artist. It was just hands down my favorite thing ever. Um, I remember also writing short stories you know, early on um, in middle school, I was just always very creative. And I had a, an art teacher that saw my potential and just told me, JC, just keep practicing. You're on the right track. And I still take that to heart. I mean, when she told me that as a little girl, you know, eight years old, I just remember thinking, okay, that's what I got to do to be better is just practice. And Mm -hmm. so that's how I feel is that I've been been practicing and always will be practicing. And when I started working in an online space, I think I was about 18 years old. I remember even, you know, tinkering around in middle school, just on like paint. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You remember, you know, the old computers just had paint on them and you'd go to the library or study Mm -hmm. hall and you could just, you know, dabble in paint. And that, I just was like, wow, I could actually create images on the computer and like add my own colors and I mean, they only gave you like 10 colors, but <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was amazing, though. It was. It was at the time. It was. And so I think I was 18 years old when I opened up my first online shop. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just chose a, a shop that uh, would make the products for me. I would just create the designs and I just kind of dabbled and just had fun. It was definitely a side thing. I, you know, had since then obviously opened multiple shops and just experimented. And I guess I just was practicing, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, when I came to the Lord, it was through art. It was, it was that family friend commissioning those paintings for me and me realizing like, Oh, I don't, I can have a purpose to what I'm doing, to what I'm creating. I could inspire people. I could share a message that could be positive And uh, the more that the Lord worked in my heart, he opened up writing to me. I think it was within the first six months to a year of my conversion, I wrote my first book, Mm. which is The Palace Keepers. And it's all about the purity of the heart, but I didn't actually like finish it. It just was kind of like all these weird notebooks (laughs) that I filled with writing. And, you know, I really wanted to just share I knew he had given me a gift and it just felt good to share it. And so in 2010, we had been married a year and I really just felt God wanting me to move into a more online space. So I started a blog. I started working with other bloggers. And I really, one thing that that kind of bothered me is I found a lot of, a lot of hope in the Christian community of people being creative and, and um, sharing their faith at the same time, but I didn't see any apostolics doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I saw a lot of Baptists and Protestants, and that's fine. They're sweet people. But I'm like, God, where are your oneness people? Like, this is incredible. People with blogs and uh, social media was just kind of starting in 2010. I would say there was probably Facebook, no Instagram, but people were still learning how to share things Mm -hmm. in that kind of space. And so I just really leaned into that and I collaborated and worked with a lot of amazing people and was able to 
get paid for it, even if it wasn't a lot. It didn't matter to me. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And uh, I started campaigning things and selling it online. I did Etsy. If it's a shop, I probably had it on there. (laughs) And then um, I was just experimenting, just trying new things. And it, it wasn't until, I think, the start of Instagram and I got my a new phone. I traded in my LG chocolate phone. <laughs> I traded in my slide phone for some new thing. And then I started just, I just really wanted to share my journey and just say, hey, this is me doing fun things. I want to take you along and just share what God is teaching me through my Bible studies, but also look at this pretty mug that I just made, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I think with that balance of faith-filled products and gifts for people or art for their home mirrored with some uh, insight that God has given me on life and business, it really just brought me to uh, Hello Awesome, which I had rebranded in around, I think it was 2014, I came up with that Hello Awesome. And um and yeah, I've just been practicing and tweaking and, and just trying new things ever since. And it seems to be working. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it does. Yes, it does. It definitely seems to be working. Like I said, I've been following you for a few years now. And I see, like you said, you have your hand in a lot of stuff, but it's all of it seems to be so encouraging and so uplifting. And it's just like I said, it's been an encouragement to me because like you, I have followed a lot of people online, whether it's blogs or podcasts or, you know, Instagram or Facebook accounts, and gained a lot of encouragement and a lot of different perspectives, right, from people who are mm-hmm. Christians, but yeah. don't quite adhere to the same doctrinal uh, tenets that we do. Mm-hmm. But like you, I've I've been wondering, like, okay, as apostolics, like, we need to be here, we need to be in this space. Yeah, yeah it's definitely an area where I think more and more people are stepping up to that, yeah, which is encouraging. So as that's happening, as more and more of us are coming online and, and doing things like blogs and podcasts and Instagram accounts, what's something that you have learned in all of your years? Mm-hmm. What would you tell us that maybe something you've tried that didn't work or just some encouragement or advice for Christian creatives working online? I think the biggest thing is you don't have to say yes to every single invitation that people present to you for opportunity. Mm. That was one thing I learned right away. When I had an Etsy shop, I used to have all graphics and it was just, I would do logos and I would really help shops rebrand. And I loved it. It got to the point where I was pregnant, I think was my first son. And I just couldn't handle the stress of everything. Doing custom work for people can be stressful. Mm. And I remember just realizing I had a couple of people that wanted me to do custom logos for them. And one of them was going to be a silhouette of a provocative female body. Mm. And I never even thought about that, that that could have been a possibility that somebody would want me to do. Mm. It didn't even cross my mind because I was just doing businesses for different people. And Sure, you know, I do like a jewelry logo or different things like that. It was just work. I, w- I didn't have my heart attached to it. But this in particular really bothered me because I felt just not comfortable with it. Mm. And I knew that I would get paid really good money and I could use it. But I found out early on that whatever I attach my name to is going to matter. 
maybe not now, but later on. Mm. And I think knowing what I know now, I'm glad I said no. And I wish people would say no more often and not Mm. feel the pressure of making a sale and just realize that the integrity of your business and the integrity of your name means more and is worth way more than whatever they're going to be willing to pay you. And so I think if I would have said yes, I mean, look at how Hello Awesome kind of grew now. It would be easy for that to come up and say, look at what JC attached her name to, you mm-hmm. know, just a couple years ago. Yeah. And it, you know, I would have owned up to it. I don't like it when something comes up and people deny it and they don't take responsibility for <laughs> something that happened. I would right. say, yeah, that happened. I was, you know, that was a mistake. But I think that's important because I think we feel that pressure when we're just learning and we're growing that we feel like we have to say yes all the time to everybody and everything and every opportunity that comes. But it's okay to pray about your business. Hmm. It's okay to pray about who to collaborate with. It's okay to pray about, you know, should I say yes to this podcast interview? You know, it's okay to say yes to, you know, to pray and to say yes or say no. And just because you say no, that doesn't mean that you're never going to have more opportunities. You just have to trust that God's going to bring you the right ones. And it's okay to say no when you don't feel comfortable about the opportunity that comes along. Yeah, I think that's such great wisdom. I mean, you know, God cares about every aspect of our lives. And we know and believe that He cares about our income and about, you know, our finances. And so, I 100% agree with that. It's it's good to involve him in all of those decisions and involve him in I'm kind of like learning that right now as I have a list of all these topics I want to talk about and people that I want to talk to and just kind of trying to feel after the spirit like Lord, okay, who's next? Like who who do I call next in this next batch of interviews that I want to do? Like what where do you want this to go? Because we can, like, there are all kinds of things online you can find about how to grow a podcast, how to grow an Instagram account. But if you're doing that at the expense of your integrity, like you said, it's going to come back and it's not worth it when it's your name and it's his name that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm a big believer of research. I'm a big believer of if you have, a, do your research, that's okay. I think. God has given us discernment and he's given us wisdom and he's put people on our path that can give us the information that we need for the goal that we want to accomplish. I don't know how many times I, you know, just gleaned from so much wisdom from, you know, Mm non-believers just for in specific top on specific topics, especially like podcasting or how to run a Shopify, how to run a (laughs) Facebook ad, different things like that. That's okay to learn those things called education. But we also have to have a balance and make sure that we have our prayer life set, that we are in the word and that we're seeking his voice too, and not only the voice of the experts in the world. Yep. That's such a good reminder. So we have the people who are creative, who are doing, you know, ministry work or just business, you know, Christian businesses that are working online. And then you you have people who they're on social media to keep up with their friends and they they follow our your accounts, you know, because they like the work that you're offering. They like your store. They like the, you know, the blogs or the podcasts that you put out. And they're not looking to really create 
an account themselves that's, you know, a creative account or trying to sell anything Mm -hmm. or anything. They're just there to follow. And that's fantastic. Like, what do you wish that they understood about doing ministry work online? That it's still a ministry. Mm. (laughs) I think we need to be careful writing off online ministry as something less than. Mm. To step out in front of people online or offline and proclaim Jesus is not easy to do. And if someone is willing to use their platform to share the gospel and to talk about Jesus, that's one more person who's talking about him. Mm -hmm. And if someone is doing that in an online space, it can be just as powerful as in a physical space. Mm. And we have to think of that's where the majority of people are congregating now. Mm-hmm. Whether we like it or not, this is where the world is going. Yeah. And if we think about generations before, the church building was also a revolutionary thing because many times churches started in the home. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of home churches. Think about the, you know, the creation of roads. We didn't really have that, you know, like generations before. Now we have roads and highways. Those are all secular things God is using to Make it, I wouldn't say easier, but give us more of uh, the opportunity and the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a path, like a pathway or a. Um... Yeah, those things are really, God is using everything. He'll use secular things to propel his message and to, to basically reach people. Mm-hmm. And when you think of the Roman road in the Bible, that was something that the Romans created Christians didn't create that, but the Christians were able to use that to bring the gospel forward to different nations and to different towns and cities and things like that. And so we have to remember that an online ministry is still a ministry. And I think there's this mindset of, well, if we're not in a church building, then it doesn't matter. And that's really a Western culture thing and not really a gospel thing. Yeah. So we have to be careful not to apply our Western culture in here in the United States of America, how civilized we are to the Bible (laughs) (laughs) or to, to, um, you know, so those are just things that God has really worked in my heart because he has shown me and has grown me, uh, through this online ministry so much. And if I say that the ministry online doesn't matter, then that is saying that what God has done in my heart doesn't matter. Yeah. And I can't say that. Yeah, I I think I think you're I 100% agree. And you know, I think it's so interesting that in the past, you know, <laughs> year or so so many places where people were resistant to even being online at all. Mm-hmm. We very quickly realized that we can't continue the work of the church without using the internet. If we can't meet in buildings anymore, even for a short period of time, and we have to keep connected with our, you know, with our congregations, this is the, this is the medium that we have. And I think it's, it's been one of the positives that's come out of going through the horror of a global pandemic is it's opened up people's creativity and how we're connecting and how we're reaching out to the world. I think that's only positive. Mm. Yeah. I want to kind of jump backwards a little bit, something else that I thought of. So whenever you decided to start sharing from like a ministry perspective online, did you go to your pastor and kind of talk that through or did it just kind of happen organically and it just kind of grew naturally from 
doing art online to then just sharing your testimony and kind of become more of a ministry endeavor over time? I would say both. When I saw that what I was doing online was making a difference and when I started like really sharing different things, I went to my pastor and let him know what was going on and um, how I felt about it because I was also kind of conflicted whether I even wanted the responsibility Mm -hmm. for this. You know, did I really want to be that voice? Was it in God's will for me even to be online like this? And he was very supportive and He encouraged me to keep going because he said that it was going to be a blessing to others. And um, he knew that I was being faithful to the church, you know, as best as I could. You know, he knew I was studying on my own. I think he knew that I had my own relationship with God and I wasn't just seeking for validation or I wasn't using this as a crutch for my faith, Mm. you know. And I think he, he also, you know, would use the online space to answer questions people had about oneness. And he's a theology teacher, you know, he's a, he is a teacher through and through a Bible teacher. And I wanted to honor him and I wanted to make sure that I had his blessing. And the same thing with my husband, I wanted to make sure that he was okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you're okay with, you know, hello awesome or whatever was going on online. And even if he doesn't understand it, because he's not a social media person at all, I call him an (laughs) anti-grammar. No, like he just really is not And that's fine. That's actually a treasure to me to have that balance. (laughs) Um, And so it was just really encouraging and inspiring to me. And it really uh, gave me confidence that if somebody online didn't approve of me, I can say it's okay. My pastor and my husband approve Mm -hmm. of me. My Jesus approves of me. So if you don't understand what I'm doing online, then it's not for you. Yeah. And that's really been the biggest thing because people are going to assume that you should do things a certain way. You should act a certain way. And I personally don't feel like I've shared anything, you know, wrong or bad on my account. I'm trying to be discerning about what I share because I know I'm speaking into people's lives. But, you know, I can't take on other people's, you know, lack of confidence that they have Mm. in their own life or in their own faith. Or a lot of people like to project things. And um, I really, it really just kind of created a lot of clarity for me. Yeah what my mission really was. My mission is to share my creativity, make sure it honors God, make sure it edifies the church and edifies, you know, my brothers and sisters to encourage them in their gifts and hopefully enrich their lives as well as lead me better as a servant, because that's something that I really wanted to work on. And doing this kind of work really has helped me do that, especially podcasting and, you know, running a shop, you know, having uh, listeners and customers, you know, really meeting their needs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I really love that. I, I think that's so true what you said that a lot of times the criticism that comes at us is not, it's not really aimed at us. <laughs> it's, it's coming from a place of people's own lack of confidence in themselves or fear of doing what God's called them to do. And so we can, if we know that we are walking in submission to the appropriate authorities and we're seeking to follow God, then while criticism might not feel good in the moment, we can kind of put that in its proper place and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. And I'm not going to worry about whether it's pleasing to everyone or not. I think that's, I think that's a good reminder that I need to have. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I don't know if you have any specific stories or testimonies of ways that you've seen God use your ministry online, um, ways that people have told you that it has blessed them or or changed their lives. Do you have anything like that you'd like to share? 
You know, it's really a crazy thing because it's so personal to me. I forget how personal it can be for other people because I'm not there watching their face when they're listening to Mm -hmm. the podcast. You know, I'm not there seeing their emotion when I share a post. And I've had so many people say that I, you know, wow, I just read that and I was praying about that this morning and I'm in Mm -hmm. tears. And it's hard for me to read those words and picture that as a person, Mm -hmm. you know, like going through something. I do have one story recently. Well, for a while now, I had this one, you know, really sweet young lady who has been following me for a while. She shared on in her stories how much she loved me. Mm. And I was like, wow, like we haven't even met. And she said that she had so many questions about God and she was going through some things. And my, you know, like the post that I shared on Instagram really reignited her faith and that she was like finding joy again, that she was praying again and just all these different things. And I mean, when you want to talk about like (laughs) humbling experience, I'm like, Lord, who am I? (laughs) And I think that's the best thing is to know that it wasn't you. And I can't sit here and take all the credit because I'm like, I couldn't have known that. Only God knew that. And so I'm glad it wasn't me, but she loves me because of what God did through me to bless her. But of course, I love her, too, because (laughs) God has placed the love of people in my heart. And so, you know, uh, she was just messaging me and just saying how just the podcast and everything just has helped her. And that some people have have also messaged me that they've come back to just the faith just because of different things that I've written. And I have one girl who said that she recommitted herself to God and she used to be Trinitarian, but now she's oneness now. And I got her in a, you know, an intimate private group that I have with some of my apostolic friends on, you know, Instagram. It's a group chat to kind of keep her in a close knit community, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So she feels like she's um, welcome. And it's just, we don't understand the power that we have. The power of influence is a beautiful, strong thing. And And online is a ministry. And if we discount that, we're discounting the impact that we're making on people's lives. And, you know, I showed my husband that and we were both kind of like floored, just the beautiful, wonderful things that she said. I know it was just God working through me because knowing who I used to be (laughs) and knowing what he did in my life, anything that people see is because of his goodness and his grace. And it's only because his willingness to make himself known to me is the only reason why I'm able to do the things that I can do. That's so amazing. I love that. I love it. I think each of us individually can forget or not fully realize the amount of impact we can have on people. Mm -hmm. Even if we're not, you know, posting things online, we can, we don't realize the impact that we're having just by living for God every day and being who we are in Christ every day. Yeah. Like it, it, he can use us whether we feel like we're worthy, whether we feel like we have anything to say or not, like he's able to take what we have and use it for his glory. I think it's, you're right. It's humbling it, when you, when you get messages like that to say like something that you said or did impacted me. And you, it's yeah. I, I just love it. Well, you have a book coming, yeah. a new book coming out soon. And so I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I've been saying this is the book that I've never wanted to write because I wasn't planning on it. (laughs) (laughs) 
because I just wrote a book last year in the summer, in the middle of a pandemic, I released Give It to God Girl. And it was one of the biggest selling books I've ever written. It's my third book. So The Palace Keepers, The Glitter Effect, and then Give It to God Girl. And I was still kind of writing that high, you know, of just of just finishing a book. And I loved it so much, just being able to share my heart with people. And then I, you know, I needed to take a break because it's very mm-hmm. draining. <laughs> when you write a book, it's emotionally draining, spiritually draining. And so it's easy to feel burnout. And so I was feeling that typical creativity, burnout, creative burnout. And so I said, Lord, I don't want to study anything specific except for just bring me to like um it was funny. I laugh about it now. Bring it. Bring me to like a simple children's story like Daniel in the Lion's Den. I just want to <laughs> read how it all went down, how it all went down in your word, not just what they tell me in the children's mm-hmm. books, you know, and I've read it before, but not in depth. I just wanted for my own personal study last September uh, when the fall was starting here in, in the Northeast. And um, the more that I read it from the very beginning, I was like, I kind of was dreading it. I said, oh, Lord, you're going to have me write a book, aren't you? (laughs) As I was reading it, I said, I knew it. And I fought it probably for a couple of months because I I just wanted to study it for myself. I didn't want to have to use it to create content. I think that's the hardest part when you're a Christian. Creative is whatever God shows you doesn't always have to be Mm. content. (laughs) And so I was like, God, I just want to study the Word without having to write a book. But the more that I studied it, you know, November, we had our elections. We've had a lot of civil unrest. We've had a lot of political unrest. There's been a lot of things spiritually that we've been dealing with in the church and just, you know, we've been very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I started thinking about what did Daniel do when he was in the middle of opposition? Well, he prayed. He got alone with God. And it got me thinking about our response as Christians, as people who want to defend the gospel and how sometimes our defense of the gospel actually harms us the most Mm. because we end up showing more of who we are and less about who he is. And so the new book that I'm writing is called Living in the Lion's Den. And it's all about how we go through the story of Daniel. And then I stop and kind of break down different insights that God has given me as we go through from the beginning of you know, when um, King Darius does the decree and then, you know, Daniel being inside the lion's den and then him proclaiming that God, you know, sent an angel. And then how we see at the end, King Darius, you know, basically comes to the Lord and creates a new decree that his kingdom will only uh, worship the one true God, the God of Daniel. And it's just a beautiful story, very convicting story of just the politics between the world and the church and how Daniel really knew what to do because he sought God's face and he went to seek God's voice mm. first. And so it's a really challenge for us that if we feel conviction or politics or things going on in our world, this is not a new mm. thing. And so we have to try and maybe not try and adopt that martyrship or Sometimes we try and uh, play victim all the time and not saying that we're not, but we are victorious. And so it's an encouragement to the church, too, of that. We have hope. We have Jesus. We have God. We have somebody who has been there with people throughout history, um, has been there, and it will always be there. And he's the one who has the final say. And it's really going to be a book about anybody who feels fear 
it's going to be a book about grief because it was written at the end of 2020 and it was about kind of what we went through in 2020, a lot of Mm -hmm. loss. We lost a lot of things. Uh, We lost people. Uh, We lost freedom. We really lost normalcy. Mm. And so living in the lion's den is just going to be, we're going to explore all that and try and encourage us. Hopefully it's encouraging after we do all the convicting work and the heart work, but hopefully we'll be encouraged and and we'll walk away uh, feeling empowered that history always repeats itself because sin Mm. does. Sin always repeats itself. But what Jesus did is he overcame the grave and he overcame death. And if we follow his leading, uh, we have hope of a new world, of heaven, of a place that's better than this place. And that's really where our focus should be is how does God want me to operate here? And is it going to, you know, give me, is it going to put me on the path to be heaven bound? So that's something that we're that we talk about in that book. I'm so excited to hear that's Yeah, I can't wait to read it. That sounds fantastic. So I will be keeping an eye out. Everyone should go follow JC. Keep an eye out for when her book comes out. That sounds like exactly what we need right now. So I'm thankful that the Lord didn't give you a break. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> no, and the funny thing is, I'm just going to say this. Not only was it a book that I felt was timely and it needed to be written now, but it was the fastest book that Mm. I have ever written. And that tells me that it was all God and it was not just me. I'm sure, you know, he'll use my voice and my mannerisms and different things like that uh, to get across his message. But it happened so fast that I started writing it in like October, no, no, probably December. They're writing it in December and we're already in the editing phase. It's all written and I have my editor doing her comb through and it should be out uh, available for pre-order, I would say, within a month or so. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I will be in that list. I will be pre-ordering. That sounds so, so good. Well, it's time for us to wrap up, but I want to ask you the final question of the show, which is always the same. And that is, what is a good question you're asking lately? I thought about this because you said it could be silly or serious. (laughs) Yes. And, and I'm all about being (laughs) silly for sure. But when you sent me that question, I'm kind of like in this mindset, you know, of the book. And I just, I've just been really praying for my children. And so I guess the question that I've been asking is, are my kids Mm -hmm. going to make it? And I know that's really heavy. But I almost feel like it's more of being inquisitive of like, God, help me to make decisions today that's going to help them make it. Uh, What is something that I need to work on my heart that might hinder Mm -hmm. them from making it? And then helping me to cultivate personal devotion time and prayer in my home and teaching them that that's the main thing so that they can make it. So that's really where my heart has been lately. That's the question that came to my mind. And I wrote it down. I was like, (laughs) "Ooh, that's a little heavy. But as a mother, I think any Christian mom living in 2021 probably has that same question. Yes, for sure. I know on Easter, on Easter Sunday morning, we were sitting around, you know, before before breakfast and getting everybody ready and all the rush. And my Mm five-year-old was talking about Easter and so we were just kind of quizzing her a little bit, you know, and I said, do you know what Easter is about? And she's like, yes, it's when Jesus, yeah. when Jesus arose, I think is what she said. And I said, well, do you know what that means? And she said, no. 
<laughs> and I said, it means that he was dead. And then he came back to life <laughs> and she just looked at me. And so it led into this whole good conversation where I was able to tie in things that she's learned in Sunday school and things that we've read in her storybook Bible and, mm-hmm. you know, all these different topics to be yeah. like, this is what all of this means. And of course, she's five and her attention span is very short. And so within a few minutes, we had moved on. But I just thought, Lord, help me to always be aware and not just assume that she's getting things because we talk about them or because we read about them or because we go to church, but to really be checking in with her to find out what she's thinking and what she's taking in and where I can be, Mm -hmm. you know, helping to facilitate her on that journey as God draws her. So I think it's a great question. And it's when we, as parents, we all need to be asking it. Yeah. Um, if we're not, you know, we're, we're probably letting something slip. So I love that question. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like kids are just little sponges and you might not think that they're getting things, but they're getting a lot more than we realize. And I've noticed too, I mean, my sons are eight and five sitting down with them and going through just the stories and asking them questions has been just an amazing opportunity to have that conversation and start that bond with them so that hopefully the older they get, they're not going to be uncomfortable coming to you with questions. And I think we need to make it easier for our kids to ask us questions. Yep. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on so much. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Uh, This has been a fantastic chat. I've enjoyed it. And I hope we can meet up soon sometime and see one another in person and, and develop a friendship more than just an online relationship. I really feel like I really love what you're what you do online. And I, I just I love your spirit. So I hope to see you at a conference or a youth congress or something down the road. And yeah, that'd be great. I would love that. (laughs) Just thanks so much for coming on. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I would love, I mean, I can't wait till we can start having more conferences and hopefully I have more of an opportunity to go. I I can't wait to meet people face to face and have those real conversations with people and just put a face to the name and just actually be together. And I think it, it would be awesome to connect, have a cup of coffee and just relax and fellowship. And I think uh, after the year we have, we had in the past, I think uh, more fellowship should be in our future. I agree 100%. You guys, I just love JC's story of deliverance and her willingness to follow God wherever he leads her. I truly see her as a trailblazer for Apostolic Voices Online. And I hope if you felt called to spread the love of Jesus through the internet, that you leave this episode emboldened to embrace that calling. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you'll go find JC on social media. On Instagram, she's at HelloAwesomeLive. And for sure, go check out one of her 100 episodes of the Hello Awesome podcast. We'll have a link to her website in the show notes where you can look for her art and her books as well. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, there's also a link in the show notes to support this show on Anchor. We are so appreciative of all your support. You can find us on Facebook and we're on Instagram at Good Question Show. Also on Instagram, I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. The show is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and professional baby wrangler is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Pawalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.